You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the War Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. What's up, War Report family? We are back with another great edition of the Auburn Express podcast, powered by the War Report. It's Thursday. Joining me, as always, is my girl, Brandy Mack, and my guy, Auburn Memes. Guys, it's a slow news cycle in Auburn sports world these days, but we got some news and we're all going to talk about our favorite moments of the weekend. Guys, how's it going? What's going on in Brandy and Memes world? It is going good. You know, it's weird. I feel like the weather outside is a little bit cooler than it it usually is this time of the year. So I feel like that makes me happier. It's nice to have some cool air before it gets really hot out. So things are going good for me because of that. I'm I'm definitely rediscovering humidity since I've been down south and and I don't like it. It's not fun. It's not fun at all. Uh, So let's jump in. Let's jump into it. Favorite sports moment from the weekend. Guys, I covered some baseball this weekend. Uh, Mississippi State came down to the Plains to play the Auburn Tigers. It was a mid-off. This was Battle of the Mids. (laughs) And Auburn prevailed. And I got treated to a walk-off on Sunday. Uh, uh, It was awesome. It was an awesome series. Lots of offense. A lot of sloppy defensive play. But... Uh, did you guys get a chance to catch any of the baseball this weekend? Cooper McMurray hit a home run. He hit four home runs this weekend. Four. We got four home runs from Cooper McMurray this weekend. And Auburn almost pulled off an epic comeback Saturday night, down like 11-4, to four, going into the bottom of the ninth, and then they lost 10-11. to 11. Great, great theater from Auburn baseball this weekend. What did you guys think of the baseball games this weekend? Brandy, you were there. Yeah, so I actually got to go down and met Mike for the first time, which hey. was awesome in person. Um, yeah, I you know I grew up going to Auburn baseball games and always loved going back there and hanging out with everybody. And really thought we had it in us to come back on Saturday, so that was kind of um, a little bit of a dagger. Not as much because we were already down like se- I think seven to three or something like that, uh, or I think we were down eleven to four. I don't know, it was something crazy, and we came back and ended up losing eleven to ten, but. Um, and then ended up winning the series on Sunday. So, I mean, it, it was a great environment and it's really nice to still see our fans show up and show out, even though we've kind of struggled this year in baseball, which has been uncharacteristic under Butch, um, especially on the mound with Butch being a pitching coach. So it was, it was cool to still see the, um, Auburn family show up and show out and Bo Jackson felt the first pitch on Friday, which was awesome before he did his bow bikes Bama. So it was a great weekend at the baseball park, and I'm really glad we got that much needed series win. Yeah, it was it was it was exciting. Again, it was a lot of sloppy baseball. Let's be honest. It wasn't great baseball we were watching. The pitching was awful. Uh Nate the LaRue. Defense was good until Sunday. The defense was good until Sunday for the most oh, part. Oh, I don't know. See, on Saturday, <laughs> they had if it weren't for those two unearned runs that they gave up, they probably come back and win that game. Right. That's like yeah. errors, errors. Yeah. It would have been a sweep if it weren't for errors on Saturday. I mean, Nate LaRue, you pointed this out to me, Brandy. Nate LaRue is awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is he is the absolute worst hitter on this team, is he not? 
Oh, yes, he is. <laughs> and I will say he had a pretty rough defensive weekend behind plate, too, mm. as a catcher. Um, yeah, two I pass think, balls. Yeah. They yeah, gave him lucky, two runs. He was lucky in the same game he made up for it. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I mean, that dude has just been horrible behind the plate, and I think he's kind of earned his spot in the lineup because of his defense, but it may be time to kind of rotate Justin Kirby in and – see if he can get some something going at the plate that Nate hasn't um, would have to switch up kind of the field aspect of that a little bit if they brought Kirby in. But yeah, I mean, that dude has just struggled and it, it did not help that he struggled defensively too this weekend. Yeah. Guys, what is a diff? This was a team that made, I mean, obviously um, they don't have Sonny to share, but like, you know, this team was in the college world series last year and they just well, look below mediocre. Not even having Sunny doesn't even impact us because our bats are some of the best bats we've had like in a long time. Like we mm. have some really great hitters on this team, like very, very impressive hitters. And probably one of the best like one through five batters we've seen Auburn have in a really long time. Mm. It's just that bullpen. Like, and luckily I feel like the Friday night staff has finally kind of gotten in a groove and figured it out. And we have a good Friday starter. I think it kind of all starts with Gonzalez not being healthy for this entire season. Joseph Gonzalez was our ace pitcher, one of our ace pitchers last year, not started all season, not been healthy, just having some kind of soreness. There's speculation maybe he'll start in the series upcoming this weekend, but really not having him has kind of had a domino effect. Um, We also lost Tim Hudson as a pitching coach. So I don't know how much that has impacted some of these guys. That's a good point. Yeah, we did. I mean, we lost a lot of bullpen guys to the draft this past season. So I would say, like, that's probably been the worst part about this season. I think everybody would agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, we we have struggled on the mound this season, without a doubt. There have been two or three guys that have really stepped up, but we either need Gonzo to get healthy so we can make Hoover and potentially make the postseason, but... It's mm. definitely not shaping up to be the season we had last year. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, it was fun watching Cooper McMurray hit home runs all weekend. Uh, every time he came to the plate, I mean, just long towering home runs to right field. Uh, I mean, he had, I mean, he actually won like national offensive player of the, of the week for all of the NCAA. I mean, he was on fire this weekend. So it was a treat definitely to watch that. Um, you know, Auburn almost pulled off theatrics two days in a row. So Saturday, uh, you know, they were down like 11 to four going into the bottom of the ninth and then decided to start waking up the bats. They lost 11 to 10. Really sad that it, it, it ended that way. But again, they got down big Sunday and were actually able to pull off the comeback um, on a walk off by Bobby Pierce in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, again, very exciting stuff to to watch. So, you know, hopefully they get it together. Uh, that was my favorite moment of the weekend. Memes, like I said, slow news cycle. You know, you know, we talked about some things before we started recording. Tell us, man, where are you at? What's your what's your favorite Auburn moment of this this past weekend or week? <laughs> Last two weeks. Yeah so, <laughs> yeah. so I I had a I had like the busiest week in my life. So I just want to throw that out there, a little personal news for everybody who cares. So thank you all for asking. I most definitely in that whole ordeal of extra busyness, we had a big family wedding. 
So Friday, Saturday, Sunday was all consuming with that because it was Sunday wedding, and it was like a, it was like it was like it was something that you'd see like in a movie. It was, it was like one of those kind of weddings, just nonstop everything chaos. So I unfortunately wasn't able to like keep up with everything as in depth of that because like I am a star team member, like basically the anchor cornerstone of my family. <laughs> okay, all right, humble, but, humble brag. I mean, it's just facts. It's just you can't can't deny. Can't just deny how it is. But as far as the week, and I'm going to say it's not any specific news. It's going to be like a specific irony and humor and like a moment we have to laugh at. Laugh at. Let's rewind to last Tuesday when we were recording because we record on Tuesdays. So this is going to be dropping Thursday or if B-Will feels like it, maybe Friday. Okay. And what's going to happen is because we're like, ah, oh, there's nothing going on. Like everything's going to happen like Wednesday and potentially Thursday, like anytime before during this pod dropping. So for everybody listening, like y'all are welcome for us speaking in existence. But if you remember last week, we're talking like, oh, we're going to, we got to like see if we can wait another hour. The news is going to drop, like something big's coming. And like we're, we're trying to like push the recording back and everybody's trying to like just wait <laughs> on the edge of their seats. And then like nothing, nothing was happening. It was like Auburn, it was like Auburn's Y2K. And we we're a week from that moment, and there has just been like just nothing of like substantial news in this time. It's been mind numbing, hasn't it? Like the portal opens, and everybody's waiting on portal news, right? People are making up Justin McCall rumors. Like we're just waiting on anything. You mean Grayson there. Grayson McCall Grayson McCall. I'm sorry, and like you know, no basketball news for real, for real. It's, it's well, been... do you guys want some breaking basketball news that yeah. I have right now? It won't be breaking by the time people listen to this, but John Rothstein just posted his early, the early entrance that the NBA released for the draft. And we know at this point, Jalen and Janai have announced that they're going to be testing the waters. Mm. There's also somebody else from Auburn that is on this list that's going to be testing the waters that actually has not announced that he's going to be doing that. And that's Dylan Cardwell. So he is on here. Yeah. Yeah, He did it it last year, but I guess... (laughs) He did do it last year. So of note as well, not on this list is Alan Flanagan, but also of note, similar to guys like Drew Timmy at Gonzaga, when you graduate, you don't have to declare and be an early entrant for the draft. Mm. You can make your decision upon graduation. You need to go in and come come on back. Just come on back, bro. Right, and yeah, and that's, I think... The, Carwell, the news of come on back, man. And that that maybe that's my favorite news of the week is just the lack of news from Flanagan and just Flanagan's like just perpetual like way of being able to stay in the headlines and in the posts and just in everybody's minds from just doing absolutely nothing, just being completely radio silent. There's not been a day that has gone by, especially with how quiet things have been the last week, where everybody's not on the edge of the seats. Like, what is Flanagan doing? Mm. Podcast, message boards, Twitter. I mean, anywhere there's Auburn conversation, his name's getting brought up, and he's just not—he's not doing anything. Which is, you know, props to him for a, a great PR stunt. And we could sit here and just have an entire episode of debating, like, what is? Maybe we just title it that. What's going on in Flan's head? And we spend the next thirty minutes just trying to guess what he's thinking about right now. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Uh, there's a lot on the basketball side. Um, you know, there hasn't been a lot to talk about. So when Janai Broom decided that he was going to test the waters, um, I just he's not on anybody's draft board. I, I, you know, I mean, I know these guys have options, but I really just feel like if you drop the NIL bag, hint, hint, on the victory, 
it should be coming back, right? Like the only reason to do this right now for him is money, is it not? Why are, else would he want to do this? For, for Janai, for Jai Broom. No, no. So these guys leave campus and go train for the NBA and get advice from guys that are outside of our coaching staff on right. what to work on and improve on for what scouts are looking at. And that is a massive upside to these guys that will go and test the waters and come back. So I don't think it has anything to do with NIL. I think the guys who are running on to victory and these other NIL collectives across the country understand that this happens a lot. Janai, Jalen, and Dylan, so our three guys that are on this early list, none of them are projected to go in the first round or the second round and most likely are not projected to go anywhere, even overseas potentially if they went now. So these guys are going to go and they're going to train at whatever facility that they want to train with as long as they don't sign with an agent. And then they're going to come back to Auburn and understand what they need to work on. So a lot of times these college coaches are going to recommend that these guys go out there and do that. It always worries me as an Auburn fan though, because you know, sitting on the edge of your seat, you never know what can happen. And with some of these guys that are saying they're maintaining their college eligibility, we have now seen guys say that not say that they're entering the portal. And then you see guys like three weeks later. So some of these guys who kind of announced they were going to test the waters early, you see them three weeks later saying, I'm going to come back to college, but I'm transferring. And this is where I'm transferring. That is something that maybe bothers me a little bit with some of these guys, but it's not going to be because of the draft, in my opinion. Well, I mean, what my point about NIL is not that that's why they're testing the waters. I'm saying ultimately, if you make the decision to go, against the advice of people who are telling you to stay. Right? I think I the, think the money like what other what other reason would you have to make the jump against the advice of people who are telling you to stay, right? Because Bruce has been very open when Isaac Okoro was going to like Bruce was just like you play you not you're not coming back. You're not playing any more college basketball, bro. You're done. You're gone. He, there was no talk with Jabari about staying another year, right? He was like, you're, you're going to be a top five pick. You're gone. Well, let's be real. Like, what's, well, the, what's the gift that keeps on giving? Do you want that, like, one more year with that player or the fact that you can say, hey, we are constantly putting in top-tier NBA talent, like, from a recruiting right. standpoint? Like, that is something, like, it, it, it's it's kind of like a lose the battle, win the war. Like, oh, we don't have that awesome talent for next season. But also, like, his ability to come here, get coached, and go to the next level is going to help just pay dividends for us getting guys who right. want to do that themselves. The gift and the curse, though, memes, because at the at, at, on one end, it helps you get your next five-star superstar, right, coming out of high school, because that guy's going to want to play one year and go, too. But then on the flip side, you lose your best player every year. And you're losing to more experienced teams that may not have that five-star superstars, but they got those three and four stars that they were able to keep, you know, for two, three, or or maybe even four years, uh, i.e. Gonzaga, right? Drew Timmy's got to be like 35 already. And, yeah. and and but he's still there. Mature, I mean, he technically still has a year of eligibility left if oh he wanted God. to come back, but That's he insane. does. <laughs> insane. But so like, Timmy is just like a... I can't even think. Like, what's a? Uh, I was trying to say like Benjamin Button. But no, that, I was going to say right. that too. <laughs> right? That's yeah. not right. Who's that's who's right. the some like bicentennial man or something? Just Drew Timmy just never leaves. It's like a tree or a tortoise. Oh my goodness, like, Brandon Zaga jersey. You got thoughts on this? So there are some guys I think that have 
and this is not at Auburn specifically, but there are some guys out there that declare for the draft and don't keep their college eligibility. And you're kind of like, what the hell is this person thinking? There's a player that did that. And I'll just say their name. They're in the SEC. It's Fudge from Florida. Um, mm. He was a freshman this past year and he declared for the draft and with, uh, and uh, did not maintain his college eligibility. He is not on any draft boards and he, I, I will be shocked to see him at the next level. I'll just say that. So you mm. kind of have to wonder with those guys, like what are the people in their corners telling them? Because you, you know that a coach wasn't telling them that unless a coach told them to transfer and they just didn't want to transfer. But at the end of the day, like you said, with NIL, they could transfer somewhere else and get NIL money still. So why not continue making money and be in college and elevate your game mm-hmm. for those kind of guys? The guys like, you know, Jabari and Walker and Isaac, like lottery type pick of guys or first round, second round draft picks. Like I get it. Go make your money and go be great in the NBA. But for some of these other guys that are either going to play overseas or are going to have to prove themselves in G League, like, I don't know. Mm. Well, okay, so uh, you know, on the college football side, they tell you if you don't get a second round grade, strongly consider returning to school. <laughs> you know, what is the basketball equivalent then, Brandy? Like, you know, what's where's the cutoff uh, for a college basketball player in terms of evaluation? Yeah, I mean, I think it has to be the sec- like the second round. Like, if you're not going in the second round. I would recommend that you stay in college. That's what I would say. I don't know what coaches are telling these guys, but I would think a second round evaluation. If you have eligibility left, some of these older guys, so I feel like right now it's probably a lot different than what we'll see moving forward. But right now you have so many guys out there that have a fifth year of eligibility because of COVID year. And some of these guys are probably just really tired of being in college and they're really tired of just playing college ball. So I think for some of them, they might, you know, have some different reasons for why they want to leave, which I think is fair. Like, I think Wynn is a really good example of that. Like, he's been in college for a little bit now, and he's probably like tired of being in college, but has already transferred once and doesn't really see any way he can elevate his ceiling any further by staying in college and can still make a decent amount of money by playing overseas. Like, someone like Wynn, that, that actually does make sense. Right. Um, and what it's all these guys on the basketball side have so many different options, right? They can go play overseas. You've got the G League now. In football, it's not. You don't make that, that much money playing in the Canadian League or in the uh, yeah, NFL. Like that's true. You, you can make some nice money playing overseas basketball, and you still have the hope of getting on a two-way contract, which always happens at the very end of the NBA season mm-hmm. when essentially the NBA rests their stars and they need somebody to fill the roster and play games that night because people are still paying to watch those games. But that's which, why is what I think Jared, which is what happened with Jared Harper two years ago. Right. He got on a two-way contract. NIL comes in, doesn't it? Like for a guy like Janai Broom, who's clearly going to be one of the best guys on that team, and he should garner a, a pretty good NIL dollar, um, it should make it a little bit of an easier decision for him to come back, shouldn't it? It just depends. I think it really does just depend on like what NIL they're being offered because I don't know if NIL is as high dollar for some of these guys as we may think it is, if that mm. makes sense. Well, yeah. But also, I mean, it depends. It's all relative. Like, what do they feel is making a, a livable amount of money for them or not? You know? Right. Yeah. Is it coming from collectives? Is it coming from individuals? I mean, it really. When people say NIL, like, where is that? Like, how much money does the collective really have to spit out? Right, but some or of these guys have agents. Be, some of these yeah, guys or, have agents. 
Or could it just be some random company? Some let's say, okay, example: some Auburn alumni owns a car dealership and says, "Hey, come to Montgomery Ford, and we'll pay you ten thousand dollars a month to come once every Saturday and sign some jerseys at our car sellathon or something." But if you go to the NBA, we're not doing that. Whatever, whatever the situation may be, and I don't know what they can or can't do, or what is or isn't allowed, et cetera, et cetera. But is there some type of example like that with just within the collective, outside the collective, or wherever else that's factoring into what these guys are doing? And kind of getting to the big picture of this whole thing is why people, and as a, I kind of said it as a joke, but it was very real, why we thought like all this news and all the portals coming is, is going to be this big bang of action. And it just wasn't there. It's like, because last year it kind of was. Mm. And it's it's like every year we've kind of had all these things. It was like, all right, the portal's changing. Whoa, NIL's happening. Whoa. And now it's like we're kind of settling into both. And we thought it was going to be this big, fast-moving game of like super high, hyper musical chairs. And now it's kind of turned into like a little bit more of like a game of hide and seek. And like we just we don't really know yet from like a fan standpoint, like how this is all working. Like what are the coaches? Like what is the strategy? What is going into the minds behind the decisions versus five plus years ago before all this stuff started with more conventional recruiting? It was a little bit easier to figure out because the formula was kind of cut and dry. Now there's a lot more to it, and we just don't exactly know what kind of decisions are happening. What what roads are we navigating here? What is the and obviously the biggest is the financial factor above this. And of course, then you get back to the old school stuff, such as you know, playing time and who you want to be coached by. All right. A lot of things we just don't know yet and why it's kind of changing how this process is working. And obviously it adds a lot more factors to it that we just don't exactly know yet. And, and maybe in time we'll start getting those leaks and understanding. But yeah, I mean, what does that look like? You want a guy to come back? Does he say, hey, I could potentially go this point in the NBA and make this much money, or I could potentially go overseas and make this much. Is there any way that the collective can, you know, I guess you can't negotiate that with a coach, but if you go negotiate that with the collective, do they say, okay, your value has upped. Here's a new collective contract. Like, right. I don't know how that stuff's working yet. Like, is that even well, a factor at all? Okay. So for the better players, right. The Jarquez Hunter has an agent. And you've got the inside, the like you mentioned, you have the inside the collective money, and you have the the the, one, the other deals that they go and their agent seeks out for them outside of the collective. So I look at the collective money as a baseline that incoming players can look at to say there's a collective that exists there, and if I'm in the top thirty percent of players on the team, I know I'm going to get paid something, right? Um, and then if you are a big enough star you know you can garner deals outside of the collective with big companies to represent their brand or, or do certain things. I I think Janai falls in that category of players coming back that should be able to garner a deal outside of the collective that would make it worth his while to come back to college another year. You know, I mean, and that's not every player on the team, though. I mean, is anybody throwing those kind of dollars at Chris Moore? Probably not. He needs his collective money. <laughs> yeah, and then the other factor, too, is, hey, I mean, everybody wants their new shiny toy. So mm -hmm. uh, what happens when you enter the transfer portal and say, eh, Auburn doesn't really see my value. Do I want to shop around and see if any other schools might have a little, might have a little bit more heat, maybe talk to some other collectives if I'm in the portal? What, what right. other opportunities might be waiting other places for me? And I think that might be why we start to see guys maybe jump in the portal and they jumped in. They're like, oh, crap, I'm... 
I thought all these schools would be rolling out the carpet for me, offering me all this NIL money, and nothing's really coming. Nothing. Oh, right. Shoot, what now, Brandy? Yeah, I mean, and then you have to think about guys, even though NIL wasn't a thing when he was a student, just let's pretend like it was. But okay. guys like Anthony Macklemore, he's somebody who graduated from Auburn with a degree where he can probably make more money in his job field than he could in NIL. So, and that's not playing basketball, obviously, if you know his background there. So you have to wonder about those kind of guys too, because there are some of those at other schools that are good basketball players, maybe not good enough to be drafted first or second rounds, maybe not good enough to be drafted in the NFL, maybe as a free agent, but also have degrees in something where they can make really great money outside of the sport that they're playing. So can they make better money in their first job out of college than what they're making in their NIL collective? And do they want to keep playing sports or not kind of thing too? So some of these guys may be weighing other options like that as well. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know, but Anthony Macklemore is actually a fairly prolific YouTuber. (laughs) He's got a YouTube channel with 34,000 subscribers. And, uh, you know, he used whatever, he parlayed whatever uh, bit of fame he had from playing college basketball immediately into something that is generating him income. Um, so if you don't know anything about YouTube, man, like, you know, once you get past a thousand subscribers and 4,000 watch hours, you can monetize and they pay you ad revenue. And, you know, it's not life-changing money he's making on YouTube likely, but um, I think that it is interesting. The guys who understand, Hey, basketball might not be my end all be all. So let me use what, like uh, popularity I have now uh, to parlay into something later. So, you know, NIL provides an opportunity for guys to make a certain amount of money, you know, that they're happy with. Because listen, if you've never made eight, nine, ten thousand dollars a month, that's still a lot. Let's be clear. It may not be NBA money, but it's still a lot of money to a college student. <laughs> and especially with the cost of living in Auburn. Right. It's not like you can, it's not like there's too many designer stores you're going to go up and be like, yay. They're saving a, a lot uh, of that money. Most of these guys, don't, they don't even have time to spend this money, man. Like, you know, uh, hey, they might they might sneak up to Linux Mall and go a little <laughs> crazy in Atlanta. I, I mean, personally, yeah. I personally heard stories of players who you know have saved six figures so far since NIL has become a thing. You know, just putting away money because they're going to class and they're going to practice. And a lot of them, man, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but the football players have a car club. Yeah. And I, they posted a TikTok of all their cars like lined up in one of the parking garages, and it's crazy. And I'm like, I'm talking about guys. I'm talking about fifty to seventy thousand dollar cars that college students are walk are driving around in. Now, back in my day, we had to take the Tiger Transit out to Walmart <laughs> to get groceries after nine p.m. at night, and they're riding around in seventy thousand dollar cars. So. Let's- I'm just just happy that now the rest of the country can do what Alabama was already doing. That's what I'm just happy about that. (laughs) Brandy said, this ain't nothing new. Brandy's (laughs) not, Brandy, Brandy told no lies. But I remember 2010 after the Clemson game, walking by the stadium and just used after the game, walking back home and Cam, you see Cam come rolling in his moped. I mean, moped probably costs. $5,000. You know, his knees are like up to his shoulders in that thing. And you got Cam Newton rolling around in a moped. Mm. And if Cam Newton was at Auburn right now, 
Y'all think he's driving a moped? I'm no. just saying. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Cam Cam Newton would have a have a different colored moped for every day of the week, every day of the month. He'd have a new he'd drive a new pet moped every day. Yeah, they'd have a gate was, named after him at Jordan Air. All right. Like, yeah, like I'm just saying all of them right now. But, but I mean it was different. Like it's just it, it's a different deal. And it's great that these guys can be rewarded for their hard work compared to like what happened in the day. And obviously there's a lot more money into college athletics. Cause you know, it's funny to think about like not too long ago. I mean, there were a handful of games each season that were pay-per-view. Like you could not watch them on television. And now it's, it's, it's crazy to think about there not being a game that you couldn't watch on television. And like, it wasn't, we're not that far removed from that. So, and it's good that that influx of money that is coming into college sports is able to overflow into guys and they've got a right to get some of that pie because they're getting so much airtime and so much publicity on them. I mean, let's be honest, it would be wrong if you could say, Hey, you know what? You can't go to that. You can't go to that restaurant and give somebody your autograph. That That's an NCAA violation. You're going to get kicked off the team for that. So it's uh, it's glad we got past that. I mean, there's obviously still more waters to figure out with NIL, but makes the whole recruiting process and the transfer process and this whole off season ordeal a lot more different. That is for sure. And then I guess the other thing that makes you wonder too, is like, how does some of these contract works? If a guy does into the transfer portal, are they just mm. doing it month to month? Or are they doing them? Yeah. Well, let me, I Especially can explain that. I can explain that. Right. Um, essentially it is it, the contracts like cannot be contingent upon attendance. Right. So there's always a termination clause in all of this. So that if, you cannot reasonably fulfill the fulfillment part of whatever the NIL deal is, then there's an out for you in the contract, but you're definitely not stuck. And so I'll give you an example. When Bo was here, he had a Bojangles NIL deal. Well, although he went to Oregon, his, his popularity literally only increase if your Bojangles, there's no real reason to cancel that deal just because he's not at Auburn, if that makes sense, right? Like, you're still getting, he had 100,000 Instagram followers, I think, at the time. He probably has twice that now. And, you know, there. I mean, you're still getting the benefit as a business of having him as a brand ambassador. So, you know, for other guys, you know, if it's like, if their deal is tied to maybe like, you know, hey, we need you to visit the dealership you know, twice a month and sign autographs. Well, if you move to another state, you obviously cannot reasonably fulfill that part of the NIL deal. So um, it's month to month, right? Any month where you don't complete the fulfillment, you don't get paid. And that's how a lot of these contracts are structured, right? That's the way that they're supposed to keeping it for being strictly pay for play. You have to do something. <laughs> and if you don't do anything, you don't get paid. Right, I like think the, I think the key that you said there, which was very uh, the key that you said was very important. Shoot, I told brain fart. Anyway, I will go back. Bo had one hundred and fifty-two thousand followers. I didn't mm-hmm. want to say that. Uh, shoot, hold on, Mike. What about? I don't know if you. I don't know if you're heading that way, but brands don't look at followers whenever they're deciding how much somebody is worth to partner with, whether it's a collegiate athlete or whether it's just a social media influencer not related to sports. They actually look at engagement because that's how they determine right. their ROI. For sure. And, so, and, and to, to, be, to, to, to bolster that point, you can have 
uh, with, with all the bots on social media, you can have people with tons of followers, but zero engagement, right? So obviously, exactly. if you have 152,000 real followers, it should show the ratio, which the, the, the engagement, like if you're getting 5% engagement on a post relative to your following, that's actually considered good, right? Anybody who's getting 20% engagement, that's crazy. Anything I got over the, that is, is, is absolutely insane. Okay, I got the. I remember what I was going to say now, and you said it earlier. I had a brain fart, but we're back. We are back in focus and remember what I was trying to say. <laughs> and what you said earlier was an agent. And we're talking about Jarquez Hunter. Mm-hmm. And that's the key that I think a lot of these young guys like need to navigate. Like, needs to, you need to have an agent, especially if you're a big wig player, somebody kind of coming in there. Doesn't need to be your friend, doesn't need to be your brother, doesn't need to be your sister, your uncle, your mom, your dad, unless your mom or dad works in the legal field or high up in business or is a sports agent. It needs to be somebody that has an expertise in that field because there's a lot of, as you said, there's a lot of fine print when it comes to these things. Yeah. And it's dealing with the business deal. And this isn't always stuff that the athletic department, they can't necessarily get their hands in this type of stuff. So you don't have a dedicated staff that is hired and works for the athletic department to help navigate these guys through all this. Right. Right. Not all the nitty gritty. Cause as you mentioned, you got to really wade the waters of what is and isn't pay to play. So there's not necessarily, they can't always do a lot of that. Like they used to be doing some other stuff. So. Yeah. The biggest mistake a lot of these athletes can make memes is assuming that any business is paying you because of how much they love the school. Right. Um, Now, some of them may be doing that, but it's a bad assumption to make because um, you just need to approach it from an actual contract standpoint, as in they're paying me to perform a service. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you look at it that way, you won't get in trouble. You won't get in trouble with NIL. Yeah. I mean, it's a job, too. And the other other thing, too, that these guys got to understand is the tax implications of this. Like you're getting real money. Yeah. If you're getting above, you know, if you're getting above $600, the IRS is going to be expecting to see some 1099 forms out of that. For sure. So you've got to get the business or the collective or whoever. If I do an NIL deal with a player and I pay them over $600 in a year, I've got to get their personal information to get them to send them tax paperwork because I paid them a certain amount of money. Mm. And that is. The guy's got to understand how that stuff works. The guy's got to file the taxes. And that's another thing is like, you don't want to get in trouble with that because you, you kick the can about that for a few more years. And honestly, NIL hasn't been around long enough for that to happen. But I would not be shocked in a few years when the IRS starts chasing after these guys. Mm-hmm. If we start seeing stories of guys that are getting busted for back taxes because they blew all this. Because it's not, it's not a W-2 job. You, you're not having those... You're not having those taxes, taxes pulled aside. out. Yeah. Yeah. Like your standard, like your standard job would. So these guys are just blowing all this money and saying, I ain't paying tax, I ain't paying tax. And the IRS like, hmm, well, this guy owes us however many thousands of dollars. And then they come knocking on the door. And let's say these guys aren't good enough to get to the league or anything like that. And then they're stuck with this massive tax bill plus late fees plus interest. And they ain't, ain't got nothing to show for it. Yeah. That needs, they gonna need they need to be another problem. They need representation for sure. I, I, like I said, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a wild world out there for guys like Janai Broom. I think you just hope that they're getting the right advice from the right people so that they're not making 
mistakes about whether to move on or whether to stay. I'm just saying, he's going to be back. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just, I always err on the side of if all the money is equal and you're not a top 20 pick, Brandy, go back to school if you can. Right. One more year. Because if you're making that money, I mean, let's be clear. Some of these athletes are making never go broke again money right now in college. If they don't spend it all. Literally, I'm telling you, there are athletes right now on Auburn's campus that have saved six figures over the last two years. And if they're investing, I mean, you're talking about years and years and years, four, five, six years of work for some people. God, yeah, and if you invested real. that money and didn't spend a penny of it Brandy, and racked it up for three, four years come on, man. and get it managed right, yeah, if you, you'd be set. If you just let that money cook, you'll be set for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And that's a, it's a really hard thing to tell a kid who's 20, 21 years old, like, hey, don't go buy that $70,000, like your $70,000 car mm-hmm. to be in the car club like your friends. Put that in a mutual fund, put it in you know, the market, ETF, whatever it may be, with an actual market advisor that can be managing that money and growing that money very aggressively. And then you will be retiring really, really nice. Cause I mean, you, you'll have, I mean, you'll have the kind of money that could be compounding in your twenties that some people don't even have built up in their forties and fifties. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so and it's just insane to think that that could be, you could get such an, I mean, you look at those charts, it shows you in any of the finance class, like here's how much money you could have when you retire. If you invest when you're 18 or 25 or 38 mm-hmm. and it just it's insane how much just higher it exponentially shoots up did you did you, you did you see the quote from um the lsu basketball star angel reese where they were asked she was asked a question about going pro and she was like i ain't even thinking about that i'm going to make like a million dollars just being an athlete at lsu next year lsu right? is lsu's got some uh I mean, lsu social media stars I mean, that's that's where it is to go oh to my goodness on. Right, TikTok like TikTok and Instagram. After that championship game, I watched her go from like fifteen thousand Twitter followers to like a quarter million in like three days. And then, if you looked at it, she to Brandy's point, she was getting the crazy engagement. So you know, the the first lady says, "Oh, I think we'll invite Iowa to the oh, White House man. soon." Stupidest oh. thing ever. And oh, she, all no. she had to do was quote tweet and say, "This is a joke," and like fifty thousand likes and you know, a million retweets and it was nuts. And that's, she understands that this is all worth money. So she's milking it right now while she can. Right. Like, I mean, she's getting that money. And I just think, you know, for, you know, what shocks me guys. And, and we're, and then we're going to move on to Brandy's, you know, Hey, what uh, she liked about the weekend. The, it shocks me how many athletes are not leveraging their social media when there is such intense interest in everything that they're doing right now to increase their market value for those one-off deals outside of the collective, right? That's where it's really, really worth money to them is, is that if you have the engagement and you can show a company that you have crazy engagement and crazy reach and people follow every little thing I do, if I were an athlete today, I'd be posted every time I wash my hands, I'd be posted on social media. Well, yeah, right? and uh, Dylan Cardwell has had some pretty epic cameos come out. And, uh, <laughs> has he? That, yeah, that's uh, the the most recent was the Auburn basketball. Bosnian Twitter. <laughs> Bosnian Twitter tournament. For those that are wondering, uh, the uh, Auburn sure. Twitter did a March Madness where you voted on uh, which account was the was the best between the two and it was a you know, 64 Auburn account bracket. I want to say team. I don't know if a Twitter account really counts as a team. Okay. 
And so what was happening is certain people, and it apparently does not cost very much, were buying bot votes. So you'd see like Auburn meme versus Brandy Mac to total votes, you know, 400. And then you see, you know, Mike G versus C-Dub. And it was like 8,000 votes. It was just like this way disproportionately off. And so it was very, very evident that somebody was paying for bot votes on these things. And somehow or another, I don't know if it was an inside joke or there was like a legitimate, like somebody traced it, but a Bosnia got tossed in the tossed in the ring as the culprit, and it just got to be a thing. And it was the the Bosnian Twitter vote. So Dylan Cardwell's got a cameo <laughs> talking about uh, congratulating Lonely Tailgaters, the first ever 16 seed to win the Auburn Twitter March Madness bracket, and uh, it had a Bosnian flag as the background. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. And uh, NIL has afforded us entertaining moments like that and probably paid Dylan Cardwell like 50 bucks to make a minute and a half video. So good for everybody who got to enjoy all of that. I sure did. Mm, mm. And I would encourage anybody out there who's listening, if you want to like wish somebody happy birthday or something, just search on Auburn and Cameo. And we're, you know what? We're recording. Let's just see who comes up just for <laughs> kicks and giggles. Let's search Auburn and Cameo right now to be a live exercise for us all. Are we on Twitter? Let's, Is he doing this on Twitter? No, 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 Cameo. I'm on the Cameo app. Oh, the Cameo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really Cardwell. Fifteen. People don't know who Cameo is that are listening. It's an app where you can pay for somebody to make a video for you. Oh, and yeah, like, right. Mm. Yeah, and All like, right. there's tons of other celebrities out there that are on it. It's actually really fun. People do it for birthdays. People do it to like wish somebody like to get well soon. Like whatever. People. Yeah, I have. Okay, I've so- bought a Cameo before, and I'm not going to say what it was for, but. Dylan, Dylan Cardwell, 16 bucks. Dylan Cardwell will make you cameo. Incredible deal. Wendell Green is uh, $41. Aubrey uh, Lindsay, did he say that? Liza B, the softball player. Okay. Um, she is $19.99. TJ Finley, $55. You can get Eku Leota. You can get Bruce Pearl for $160. You can get uh, Owen Papo. You can get former players out there. Uh, you can get Coach Johnny Harris for $55 to get you some love. Tank is uh, 59 excuse me, 95 Daniel Carlson is $19.99. Now, my favorite personally on here is Cord Sandberg for 11 Really good deal. You got DJ James, KJ Britt. You got tons. I mean, I'm just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Tons of guys. You got Sammy Coates for 11 bucks. Sammy Coates will get you. Oh, he's only got three cameos left. Chris Davis for 55 Anders Carlson. Uh, oh, Hugh Freeze is on here for $110. You can get a Hugh Freeze cameo. Listen, let's do our student athletes, not the NFL players and not the coaches who are making a ton yeah, of yeah, money. Yeah. I'm just saying, let's do our student athletes that are currently on campus and let's put some money in their pockets because that will always help us in recruiting and to be better, hopefully. <laughs> and now, don't, don't do this one going to what Brandon he said, but it's really funny. You got Michael Dyer on here in an Auburn I saw uniform. That. I just oh my god! That too. So you got some, uh, you got some interesting ones on here. But yeah, if you want it, this is a good way to connect with student athletes. A perfectly legal way to give some money directly to them. This goes to their pocket. Mm. The university, I, from what I understand, and Mike, you might have a little bit more info on this, but I think the university has like a like a graphic that they keep up with that shows how much nil money that the average student athlete is making or the yeah. top athletes or whatever else. And I'm, yeah, I, they keep track know. of it. They keep track yeah. of it. And, you know, listen, so that, that information is actually proprietary to the athlete. So they, 
don't have to share anything about what they're making with the university right now they have to disclose um they have to disclose the what companies they have deals with but the details of that deal are not something that they have to share um because it literally is they can't regulate it right like they have to stay out of it right now if i wanted to do let's say i want to do a a, a nil deal with jarquest hunter to come on the show right normally to request him as a interview, I would have to go through the school's SID department and say, I would like to speak to Jarquez Hunter. They can say, sure, Jarquez is available on this day and I can interview him for free. Or they can be like, hey, Jarquez uh, is not available and you can't talk to him. But if I do an NIL deal with them, they can't say it. They can't ask me anything. They can't say, oh, well, when are you talking to him and how much are you paying him and all that stuff? They literally just have the butt out of it. <laughs> That's it. So to get around their request rules, all I have to do is say, this is an NIL deal, right? Now, they can ask Jarquez Hunter whether I have a legitimate NIL deal with him or not, certainly. And he will say yes. And then after that, all the questions have to stop. So um, the accuracy of that is highly dependent on how much those students' memes are willing to share the details of their deal with the university because they don't have to have seen right, but, but I think from what I understand, that is a recruiting pitch that they can say without it being pay to play to say, hey, our average student athlete at Auburn is making this much money. Correct. Yeah. I mean, all like I would like I you have the opportunity, like other if you come to Auburn, there are other student athletes that are making this much money in various deals. If you come here, you might be afforded those opportunities. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that right. is that can be said, and that's not a that's not an issue in recruiting. Correct. Yeah, I mean, but the accuracy of that number, I'm telling you, is not something that they can predict because you got to remember too. There are athletes at Auburn right now who are not making a single dime in NIL. Nothing. Literally, have no NIL deals. So these collectives aren't even the collectives aren't handing out money to every single student athlete. Um, you know, you can choose to sign up with Onja Victory or not, right? They're a collective, but they're technically not university affiliated. So, yeah, it's a separate company, right? Correct. Yeah. So, and they're not supposed to have any influence, even though they literal the coaches literally advertise for them on like you know <laughs> the press conferences. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, I just think. Um, you know, it, it's still a little dicey. I think what a lot of schools have seen is that the, the schools that are doing it really well are pretty brazen about how they're out. They're pretty much like, we're going to do this to the max and you're just going to have to tell us to stop. And then there were some schools like Auburn who were trying to play it by the rules, but then Hugh Freeze came and, they, and finally they were like, you know what? We're going to take the gloves off a little bit because other people are crushing us at NIL while well, we're trying real. to play by the rules. I mean, the NCAA just has no backbone in this anymore. I mean, well, what's they the can't. NCAA- yeah, like, I mean, what's the NCAA going to do? I mean, it's just, yeah. Hey, they, hey, Georgia, hey, Alabama, y'all, we're 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 gonna we're suspending y'all, we're cutting scholarships or whatever. People quit tuning in the games. Guess what happens to their paycheck? It, it would have to be a student athlete that blows the whistle on a collective that somehow was taking direction from the university, and they screwed an athlete. That is what will bust the school. I'm telling you, right. Like a, a collective screws an athlete out of money at the at the direction of the university, right? Like what almost happened at Florida. Mm-hmm. And then the student athlete uncovers all of it and just says, "Hey, if you guys are going to screw me, screw you." 
here's here's all the proof to the NCAA. Somebody would essentially have to gift wrap the proof to the NCAA so they would have teeth, right? But that's because they're not an investigative body, they cannot subpoena records. They can't force you to say anything. You know, that's why they always went light on schools who self-report. Because if you don't make them dig and spend a bunch of resources investigating stuff that they can't force you to say anyway, right? Then they're like, all right, we'll go light on you. But if you make us do the work, we're going to drop the almost death penalty on you. That's how Alabama almost got destroyed. That's what got SMU back in the day, right? Like, I mean, they're so hesitant to, to drop the death penalty on another school because when they did it to SMU, it changed college football foundationally forever, right? It broke up a whole conference. Like, Texas and Arkansas jumped to another conference. Like, I mean, it was nuts what happened to SMU. They were a football powerhouse in the 80s, and then they gave them the death penalty, and they've never been the same. Well, if I mean, let's be honest, in modern football, I mean, I hate to bring this up, but it's relevant for this conversation. If Penn State didn't get the death penalty after the Sandusky yeah. incident, right. it, it just, it, it, I don't know what, I about don't know what could. But for such a historical also. program, right? Like people were pointing out that that was a, I mean, that that penalty was harsh. And at a school like that, when you decimate the, the, the football program, you're not just hurting. Like, you know, what I hate about that is, is that all the people who perpetrated that, most of them are gone. So right. you're punishing a bunch of student athletes that have anything to do with that. Yeah. Right. It's, and, it was a tough it's a tough situation there because yeah. you don't want to you don't want to act like, hey, we just let something like that. Mm-hmm. That's fine. We, we we can't do anything. But you're right. The actual person who did it was in prison. The coach who let it slide by. I mean, Joe Pod like died yeah. a few months after that. Yeah. So like, you He's know, you gone. can't really do can't do anything about that. So, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of administration who are long gone or passed away or anything. So you kind of sit in there, scratch your head. And it's like, well, we don't want to look like we did nothing. But we, we don't want to punish people who literally, I mean, student athletes who were weren't even alive. <laughs> yeah, or they were, happening. you know, in elementary school when this was going down. Yeah, it's so, so it's a strange, strange but situation. I find it unlikely that you'll see anybody get the death penalty over NIL. But again, the, the evidence would have to be gift wrapped to them. And it's going to have to be a student that blows the lid off of it, right? So mark my words, there's going to be some big controversy in the next two or three years where some guy didn't get the money he was promised. Like uh, the Florida Indiana. guy. What was his mm-hmm. name? Yeah, these, uh, the, the million dollars or whatever. Like, Brady, what was that kid's name from Florida? The quarterback from that was going go. to Florida for... The Miami guy, Florida, whatever that whole deal was. Um, Yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, it was a quarterback that was committed to Florida and asked. It was Rich, Jane Rashada that asked me. Yeah, really yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. NLI, or, yeah, National Letter of Intent. It's so confusing now because there's NIL and now obviously there's always been NLI. Yeah. Um, like but that. he was supposed to receive like $13 million over four That's years right. there. Like they, there was no way they were going to deliver that. And there was like some drama that the person who was running the Florida. NIL Collective was also running the Miami NIL Collective, and there was some drama that was happening in the Sunshine State over that. How are we going to pay a four-star quarterback that much money? That, that's right. insane. Like, you know, that, you, you know that reminds me of memes. It reminds me of the year that Cam came into the NFL, right? They had just uh, bargained uh, a new uh, collective bargaining agreement that limited the rookie salary earnings so 
you remember who you, the, the the number one pick before Cam was Sam Bradford, and he got four years, seventy million dollars with fifty million guaranteed. And then when Cam came, he was the number one pick. The very next like year, 22 million dollars, but they guaranteed the entire contract. So I want hear me out. Sam Bradford got twice as much guaranteed money as Cam Newton, and he did 70, nothing in the NFL. $76 million oh my was goodness. his rookie contract. That's crazy. And so what they no were saying... The, no wonder the Rams got out of St. Louis. Right. Bradford, so it was Bradford nuts. bankrupted them. They were, they were, they were, the vets are complaining that you're giving all this money to unproven talent. And this is something that kids on the front end of NIL have been saying. Like the NIL started, but all the money is going to attract new talent rather than to take care of current players. Right. This, these, and this is why I say when I say the NIL brings pro problems to college sports. Right. It really does, because this is a pro problem. They literally changed the whole collective bargaining agreement to keep teams from unwisely sinking money into new talent, unproven talent. And then in free agency, there's no money left for proven veterans. So they're getting screwed. Well, then you get to, I mean, in the college level, too, you get these 18-year-old kids who were great at playing at Pinecone High School versus acorn academy and then they actually have to go play real talent right and then they're getting paid hundreds of thousands millions of dollars whatever in college and they're like wow i'm the shit and like they're not and they put in no effort because they just all oh, handed to me i got all this money like i'm the man like you know who are you seeing you're getting big you're paid shit compared to me and these guys party get their heads big and they fizzle out and then all that money's gone you gotta sit there like man that how many people are going to get burned on that return on investment before it's just like, yeah, this this isn't a good idea anymore? Because yeah. that money that this dude's apparently getting or going to court over how it's working, like somebody's fronting that. And somebody who probably deserves it, as you said, isn't getting it. Like that is not a sustainable formula. For sure. Well, listen, guys, let's wrap this up. Brandy, tell us this weekend, what stood out to you this this last past weekend? As, as we noted, it was a slow news cycle Auburn, the portal was slow. Everything was slow, man. Toilets were flushing slow. <laughs> what stood out to you this weekend? Yeah, I think we got to give a shout out to those Auburn softball girls. I mean, oh. they went into Tuscaloosa and took the series. Maddie Pinta got the win on Saturday in the second game because they played a doubleheader on Saturday and the win on Sunday. So I just want to say shout out to them. An incredible weekend, and they went up against the SEC's golden girl on Sunday, Montana Fouts. So I just want to put on record, Maddie Pinta owns Montana Fouts now after that series. Oh, owns. Yes, let's go. Well, (laughs) that was my favorite part of the weekend because it had been since 2018 that we had beaten Alabama in Tuscaloosa in softball, won the series. So shout out to the Auburn softball girls. That was the best part of the Auburn weekend for me. What uh, Auburn softball came into that game ranked 19th in the country? Um, um, when did they release softball rankings? I think I think that sounds right. So they actually released the softball rankings today, and I think LSU and Alabama are both um, one and two spots ahead of them. So they can get LSU, then Alabama, then Auburn, and it's so frustrating because Auburn beat LSU the weekend before in that series. And now they beat Alabama in the series. So you would think that they'll put some respect on their names, but 
So I'll just have mm. to keep proving them wrong and keep winning these series. All right. I mean, baseball is, is is not giving us much, but it does look like they jumped from 19 to 17. And as you mentioned, Alabama, Florida, LSU, Arkansas still ranked in front of Auburn right now. The SEC is looking pretty strong in softball right now. Uh, lots of SEC schools up there. So um, Auburn sports doing things outside of football and basketball, uh, reminding you guys that Auburn University is an everything school. So we talk about everything here at the Auburn Express, powered by the War Report. It's Thursday, as always. Joining me is my girl, Brandy Mack, my guy, Auburn Memes. We'll be back at you guys next Thursday, hopefully with some news about both football and softball and portal pickups and things of that nature. So uh, we'll be back at you guys. want to thank my guests for joining me. Guys, we'll see you later. As always, War Eagle. Yeah, War Eagle, and hopefully there won't be another drought again this week because, my goodness, we need some news dropping big. 